welcome to the brand new Cruise Cares podcast. This is the second episode of our six-part series about bereavement to mark Cruise Bereavement Care's 60th anniversary. I'm Jessica Mitchell, and I'm the managing editor for the Bereavement Care Journal and a counsellor specialising in bereavement. In this series, we'll be talking to people who have experienced a bereavement and asking them about their own personal grief journey. We hope to show the different ways people grieve and to show that if you're grieving, you're not alone. And maybe you'll also feel a bit inspired and hear some useful advice along the way too. If you need emotional support following a bereavement, you can visit our website, www.cruise.org.uk. That has lots of helpful information and advice. Feel free to follow our social media accounts for regular updates on our work, and you can interact with other people who are grieving too. Our handles on Twitter and Instagram are at Cruise Care, and you can find us on Facebook under Cruise Bereavement Care. Now on to today's guest. We're joined by Lee Latchford-Evans, pop star from the band Steps, actor and fitness fanatic. Lee's going to be running the A610K in July to raise money for Cruise, and you can join him. Find out how by going on our website, where there's lots more information. Well, welcome, Lee. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. (laughs) And I wanted to start by asking you a little bit um, about this last year. It's been quite an intense and emotional one, I'm imagining. Yeah, um, for myself and my wife and obviously our family as well. Um, We did have quite a lot happen to us and, you know, it was never expected. Funnily enough, both my wife's mother and my father were quite ill anyway, um, but they both actually died of the same thing, which was very unexpected um, when it happened. So I think, yeah, going back, it was... Um, it was actually just after my birthday, funnily enough, great birthday. Um, it was about two or three days after my birthday when my dad had a sudden heart attack. Um, I lived down south, my parents were up north, so I wasn't around um, and able to, to be there on demand, so to speak. You know, I had to sort of sort my stuff out and make the journey up to the north to get there as quickly as possible. Um, but yeah, he, he was at the Everton game, funnily enough. Um, so we always we try and laugh about that in a sense of that you know he was in a happy place because <laughs> he was watching them and they won. Um, so and it all happened quite suddenly, um, leaving the grounds of Everton. Um, unfortunately, my nephew, his grandson, was with him at the time, and my mum was as well. So a lot happened. Um, had a heart attack and was rushed to hospital, um, and basically was uh, put into I believe an induced coma because they restarted his heart. How? I have no idea, because it was quite a while. But then he never really came out of that. So by the time I got up there, we were there for, I believe, eight days in the hospital. And if I'm really honest, it was, you know, for anyone that's ever been through it, and I'm sure there's people that have been through worse to a degree, you know, eight days feels like a lifetime. But it was just like Groundhog Day for me. And every day I was told one thing, it didn't happen and I was told another thing and it didn't really happen and then I was told he was going to wake up and he didn't and so there's a lot of mixed emotions throughout the day and me being me I'm quite a positive person so I'm always like no you know this is going to work out somehow this will work out and then when you know you come to the realization that actually it's not going to work out and it is what it is then you know we decided to do the horrible thing of just letting letting him go and letting the nurses and doctors do what everything they could have done my mum's quite stubborn so we did everything possible all the boxes were ticked you know to try and bring him back and yeah he he, he held on for a while they turned all the machine off and 
I, I actually was with him when it finally happened, holding his hand, which I'm quite glad about, actually. It was, it was a nice thing for me um, to sort of be there. And all our family were there. I had all my cousins, my mum, my sister, my wife, ev- everybody was there, my brother-in-law and all sorts. Um, but it just so happened at the actual moment, it was me in the room with him. And then I just told everybody to run and get my mum. And then by the time my mum came in, he was, you know, it was very, very quick. It was amazing how quick. Um, and then everybody was there. So it was really nice to have family all, all together. And a lot of my family I don't see because I live down south. Um, so in a strange way, because of all this, you know, we, we seem to talk more now as well. Um, so, you know, if you want to put any positive type of spin on it in any way, shape or form, that's that's something that's worked out there. Whereas, you know, the, the Facebook chat will happen now. And, you know, I made an effort recently to, to go up there and it was it was for my dad, actually. It was, you know, just to everyone get back together and to have a drink and a meal for him. It was the year passing and stuff like that. And, you know, I've I've saw my cousin's children, some of them for the first time, which, you know, is, is, is strange. But yeah, it was it was a difficult time um, going through that. Um, it was very unexpected, like I said. And then then we lost a pet. <laughs> uh, and I know people, I sort of laugh about that because, you know, a pet compared to my father, let's be realistic, it, it isn't that big a deal. But actually, a pet to some people is like their best friend and it, and it can be a huge deal. Um, and I think, you know, with, with bereavement and grieving, it, it doesn't really matter where it is, where it's from. It's how you feel as a person. And I think we were just, we were just trying to come to terms, I think, with losing my dad. And then, bless, we lost our little rabbit, little pet rabbit, lived in the house. It wasn't outside, so it was literally like, you know, a cat. He, he was more like a cat, to be honest. You'd call him over, he'd come over to you, he'd feed you, he'd sit on your lap and all sorts. It's quite a cute little thing. Um, yeah, so we lost him. I was working away. Um, and then, yeah, it was, there was lots going on for us. We, we sort of needed a bit of time out. And my wife, um, we... we thought life was turning around and my wife actually became pregnant which was amazing and it was almost like this is it you know we've had the bad this is a new start a new chapter in our life and my wife's mum all she's ever wanted every time I'd walk for a daughter was you gonna make my daughter pregnant yet or what you know it was it's one of them it was like an ongoing joke and um yeah finally you know told them and they were just ecstatic over the moon it was it was scary of course I'm sure the first pregnancy of anybody always is um, and I felt a little bit sad that my dad would never really, you know, see that. Um, and we, we were we're moving forward, getting on. And then out of nowhere, literally, I think it was about nine days later, Kerry's mum passed away of a heart attack as well, which was just shocking, absolutely shocking. We we just couldn't believe it, couldn't get get over it. Obviously, my my wife's absolutely devastated. We were all just taken back. And now we were thinking, what what do we do now? You know, how how because. Let's be honest, you're a little girl, all you want is your mum. And, you know, she's taken away and then you're thinking you're going to have a baby as well and there's so much stuff going on. So, yeah, it was really, really difficult and a lot of stress, you know, with times like that and whatever. And there's no excuse for anything, there's no reasoning for anything, there's no explanation um, for a miscarriage, but literally about a week later we lost the baby as well. So, you know, that may have happened. It may not have happened with things that have gone on. People can say, oh, it was because of everything that was happening and the stress that you were under. But you, you just can't put anything on it. Um, but for us, it was just the fact that we had these four quite major, really upsetting events happening in our life, all within um, four months. 
it was all within four months as well. I just can't believe so, yeah, it what was, you have been through. I it's know. quite a lot. It's, it's almost like a soap opera, you know. You just and I've I've always been the person that said, if I'm really honest, there's always somebody worse off, you know. So you move forward in life and you deal with the the crap, if I can say that, that's thrown at you, and you do the best. You stay positive as much as you can and you move forward. Because I always think, you know what, someone out there is is struggling and is much worse off than you. But I have to be honest. At that point, I think is there at this moment in time is there really somebody that's worse off than what we're going through maybe there is but it was a tough time for us so what pulled you through I mean here you are talking about uh, it I mean is it that you've talked about the support of family that you actually sort of came together and really started talking yeah. was that we didn't really know what to do if I'm honest um and I, I said I'm, I'm older than my wife I'm about nine years older she always says turn it's nine and a bit we always a little funny row about it um, but I sort of get guided by her quite a lot to be honest and um, she's very very strong and I think I think the fact that you do have life does go on doesn't it you know people grieve in many different ways but you can't and everybody's different so I can't talk obviously on behalf of anybody else only myself and part of my wife I can't really talk 100% for my wife either because she has her feelings but I see what she goes through but I just think life does move forward and you know my wife has a younger brother who who um you know needs he needs people around him let's say um and obviously her dad became lonely and he's there and they have a a business to run and you know I've got my mum up north now who has herself in a house on her own luckily my sister's there and I've got an niece and nephew my brother-in-law and that so she's got somebody there but for me it's difficult because I'm over 200 miles away you know yes we have FaceTime now which is brilliant um, but it's not quite the same as actually being there and giving somebody a hug or anything like that and I, I just think it's knowing that there's other people that still need you to, to sort of push you forward you have to step up to the plate and I'm the oldest one so it was almost like you know, how do, how do I look after people now? And I think Kerry did that as well. It was almost like, I need to look after my family now. And she has stepped into her mother's role just straight away. Um, I, I actually believe deep down that I think you grieve forever, if I'm really honest. Um, and again, everybody's different. And 10 years can go by, 10 minutes can go by. It doesn't matter what it is. And a song will play that, you know, reminds you of something or... For me, actually, within this last year, I've, I've said this to people, that it's going into card shops that does it for me. And I never thought that would affect me in the way it did because I'm always quite strong and positive. And the first time I went to a card shop, I just had to leave because it wasn't just a Father's Day card or anything like that. It was literally every single card. So be that a mum, a birthday, a child, a father, a parent, whatever. Every single card I was looking at, it hit me. Even pet card, you know, it was like, okay, I need to move out of here just for a little bit um, and sort of buy my time. And yeah, that was that was a big shock to me. I didn't think a card shop would affect me so much. Um, but I think just being strong for each other, talking has helped, moving forward has helped, having to do stuff has helped, you know, especially for my wife. You know, she's been so busy since everything happened. I think if she wasn't, the, the grief would have kicked in, I think, a lot sooner and a lot heavier, let's say. Um, but part of me, because of that on the flip side, feels that we haven't still grieved properly because we haven't had that time to just go, whoa, what's happened? And, and for me as well, doing the job I do, so be that an acting role, a film, or with the band touring, every time something happens, I've been away because I've experienced, like, my, my grandparents. I've got no grandparents now, and... Funnily enough, every time one of them passed away, I was on tour or I was doing a show. And it just always seemed to happen that... And even now with this, we were touring, you know, Steps were on tour when my dad happened. And then 
it was almost like when Carrie's, it happened to Carrie's mum as well. We were in rehearsals for a big summer project we were doing. And I think I missed two or three shows um, from Steps and I've never missed anything in my whole life, any shows I've ever done. So I think in, in a way that says a lot as well. You know, I had to be with family, I had to be with my wife. And and it was it was a time where the guys just went, might you just be on your own. And management said, don't even discuss, you know, just go and we'll sort out whatever needs sorting out, which was great. You know, they had, they had our support, but who wouldn't really with, with the situation, I think. It was a tough one. Yes, absolutely. And what's it like, to some extent, I mean, grieving in the public eye or being also an entertainer that you have to put on this public face, I'm assuming? Yeah, well, you do. And, you know, fans were always like, you know, where's Lee? Why isn't he there? Um, I hope he's OK. Because they knew if I wasn't there, it wouldn't be just because I wasn't there. They knew something bad would have, would have happened. Um, and I don't think anyone really knew because um, my wife never said anything about her mum for a long time. And I respected her and didn't say anything. Um, and then we had this conversation. It's, you know, be in the public eye, be not in the public eye, you know, a death is a death and everybody grieves, like I said, differently. And it does, one isn't more important than the other. I think the only thing is, it's just that there's a, the reason I'm here now is there's a chance maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, to, which was my wife's idea, to maybe just make people aware a bit more. Um, we've been through a lot, a hell of a lot. And, you know, especially with the miscarriage as such, you know, yes, it is a death still, and it is grieving. But I don't know, there seems to be this stigma that you can't really talk about it. And I think people deal with, you know, bereavement and that in, in many different ways. And a lot of people do keep it in. And I think, um, for me, yes, you have to move forward. I mean, my dad was always quite proud and confident man, but taught me to be positive and move forward and try not to look at the negative side of things. And I think just by talking about it and just you know what, yes, I'm in the public eye, yes, there's a lot going on, it makes no difference, you know. But if someone listens to this and goes, actually, I could understand that or I've been through that or how the hell did he get in front of 150,000 people or whatever and, you know, which is what you do, um, you just have to be positive and move forward as much as you can and maybe even twist it to a degree and say, you know what, he's looking down on me, they're looking down on me now, I have to say, and trying to make them proud still, even though they're not here. It's still a way for me to live on through my dad and for Carrie to live on through her mum and, and, and do it in the best way possible because you, you do only get one life as, you know, it is true. And you do have to try and make the most of what you can. You're going to have downsides. You can have really bad days. And you know what? For a lot of people, there's times maybe you just don't want to be here anymore. And you just, you know, there's a lot of people out there and there's so many suicides and things going on and, you know, mental issues today. I think people do need to talk about it more. And that's it was my wife, actually, that sort of made me, I suppose, sit here because, like I said, especially with the miscarriage side of it all, we had friends come forward. Obviously, I'm never, ever going to say who they are, but it was amazing. We didn't know. Wow. And once my wife went through all everything she went through, a few people stepped forward and went, I know where you're coming from. We were like, do you? And they were like, yeah, I do. I was like, wow, okay, we never knew that. But why didn't we know? That was the question. Why, why did they feel they couldn't talk to us? And I think that's what's important. You know, if you keep everything inside too long, you're going to explode. You, something's going to crack and break. And that could even push on to other people. So I think the best thing is, if you can, and if you're brave enough and strong enough to, is to try and talk to somebody. And usually a stranger is the best one. 
really. Because your family are always there, but you look at your family and think, yeah, I don't know. Really. Trying to protect each other sometimes yeah. too. You said you're the eldest yeah, as well, you being there for others. But you have your opinion as well because you're living it to a degree as well. And your friends will have an opinion because they care about you. But I think for somebody that doesn't know you and is just an outside person that can just give a little bit of advice and just be an ear or a shoulder... You know, sometimes just getting it out. Maybe you don't want advice. Maybe you just want to blurt it all out and get it off your chest. You know, if those people couldn't have that person to talk to at the end of the phone, what are they going to do sitting in their room at home alone? Or are they going to go stir crazy? Are they going to take it out on their family? Is that anger and their frustration, everything going to build up? I think you need to release it. I really do. Yeah, I think absolutely. I'm really struck too by the way you've talked about how there's no normal way and the way, you know, you've talked so openly about your pet and things because actually we get people coming through who say, I'm not doing it the right way, I shouldn't be upset or why am I so upset about my dog and things. And actually, I, I think one thing we're always keen to say is there is no right way and, and there's no hierarchy, you know, it's who you love. You deal with it the, the way you're going to deal with it and everybody's different. You know, we are part of our parents, you know, we're, we're brought up a certain way. Um, be that our parents, be that our adopted parents, be that wherever it is, you know, we're always brought up by our elders and we learn from that. And then we learn from school and we learn other things, but everybody takes everything in a certain way and will react to things differently. And it's, it's who you are. You know, some people may be very placid, some people might be quite aggressive, some people might be outspoken, some people might be quiet. It's, it's just who you are, but I think it doesn't matter if it's a dog or if it's a cat, a pet, a hamster, you know, to, to, to a parent. If you're very close to that pet, because not everyone's close to their parent, let's be honest. Absolutely, you know? yes. So if it's affected you in whatever way, then, you know, you're going to get upset. Yes. And if you're strong enough to talk about it, great. But if you're not, you should know that there are people there that you can talk to. Mm. Do you think there's pressure as a man, actually, to keep things in more? Have you felt that? I mean, um. I... I think for me, it's weird. Now all this has happened, I'm quite, I wouldn't say emotionless, but it was quite funny. A friend of mine who's one of the best men, we got married actually, he used to, he used to just take the, the mickey out of me quite a lot and say, you know what, when you're really happy, you look like that. And when you're really down and depressed, you look like that. And it's like, I just don't, I don't really show it all. Um, and I've been like that for years um, in the band or whatever it is. And I think ever since all this has happened, God, I could cry at surprise, surprise now on TV or something silly, you know, or yes. somebody meets their brother for the first time after 50 years. I'll be bawling my eyes out because I just think, oh, my God, you know, but I never used to be like that. So it's definitely affected me in that way and tried to make me more in tune with my emotions and be able to let them go. I don't like people seeing it to a degree. Don't get me wrong. And maybe that is the manly thing that comes through. I think women are far much in touch with their emotions than men are to that extent. Um but maybe it's an era thing as well. You know, I'm 44 now. Maybe a 20-year-old might answer this question differently. And maybe my granddad would have answered it very differently because I think times change as well. Um, and I know my dad would, would have been quite, no, you know, you just met men and men and they do their thing. And I, th I th hardly ever saw my dad cry, ever. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's definitely an age thing as well and a generation thing. You were close to him, weren't you? Your dad, Billy, and I know we're coming up to Father's Day as we do the podcast. And I think I was in a sense of like, with, with my dad, it was football that brought us together. And being Evertonian, I was born with a blue scarf around my neck. I had no choice. And Latchford comes from Bob Latchford, who used to play for Everton. So I was even named after a, you know, an Everton <laughs> player. So I really did have no choice. But, you know, if ever, anyone ever says to me, like, you know, the memories of your father, what, what sticks out, it is, it's going to football with him really that sticks out the most. 
Um, we played darts a lot. We played golf a lot. He used to take me fishing all the time. It was always a, an action thing, a sport thing. It was never an academic sort of sit down at the desk and work with my dad. It was always do something physical. Um, but yeah, going to watch Everton is is the biggest thing that I can remember. And you have certain... I can't remember everything, obviously, but you have certain memories. I remember being lifted over barriers to get in. And sometimes we didn't pay. Shh. But that was the people let me in because I was a little kid and I loved it. I, I remember them taking a flag off me because it was... The pole of the flag was considered a weapon. And my dad was like, what's he going to do with that? Come on. So we, we held up the flag in our hands when they scored and my dad lifted me in the air and things like that. And mm. I remember the surge of the crowd because there was no seats back then. The seating everywhere now, there was no seats back then. Everyone stood up. Yeah. So when somebody scored, everyone was like, Whoa! and they go forward and I would get knocked off all the time. And I think part of it was my dad rescued me and celebrating at the same time because it was quite scary, but exciting if they score. And um, so, yeah, it was all about the football. It was about playing football. I became a footballer. You know, one of the proudest thing my dad will ever say was watching me play football. I was captain for most teams I ever played for. County, I Wimbledon scout at one point look after me and stuff like that. And then I did the whole Billy Elliot thing where I put on some ballet tights and went to dance school. And I think my dad was like, what has gone on here? What's happened? You know? Um, but, you know, life has a way of coming around on itself. And through the, the hard work and training that I went through for years has led me to get into the band Steps, which has then brought on the whole fame side to it, which I was never looking for that. I just enjoyed what I did. But then the fame side has brought opportunities to then play football in charity games. So I've ended up playing football at premiership grounds against all the people I used to watch as a kid growing up. So it's strange how that's happened from doing that. Um, was your dad very thrilled, actually? It must oh, 100%, yeah. And mum always says, you know, we, we were always proud. It was. It's funny because I'm a bit of a mummy's boy, I think, deep down. I'm close to my dad, but I think deep down I'm, I'm more the mummy's boy. And I'm the firstborn as well. Um, and... My mum always says to me, when I'm on stage, be that a play, a musical, or with the band, mum would sit back in a chair a bit and go, oh, God, I hope he doesn't go wrong. Whereas my dad would sit forward and go, right, come on, here we go, and he'd be up for it, which always surprised me. I never really... Because obviously I didn't see that, but mum always said that's what he did, and that's another nice memory I have because he was always... That's the, the proud dad coming out, I think, just literally going, that's my boy. Yeah. And at football, he would have been, that's my boy. At stage, he's probably going, that's my boy. And then over time, he's gone, yeah, no, this is great. I love this. Because I don't come from a, an acting family or a singing family or anything like that. No one does it. OK, so it was a real, when it's, you went off in that direction, it was yeah. completely... I, I did martial arts from the age of eight and I did football from the age of eight. They were my sports. And, you know, I wasn't great and fantastic at any of them, but I wasn't bad. I was good at them. Um, and my dad was proud of me for doing that. So, like I said, when the whole dance and acting kicked off, it was a shock. You know, I had all these trophies for football and, you know doing my black belts and karate and stuff and then it was we're going shopping for some ballet shoes and tights and leotards and things like what what's going on here yeah. <laughs> but you know fair enough it's like I said it's turned out good yes yeah and we're coming up to Father's Day now and I know sometimes anniversaries you know people who come to cruise find them kind of difficult and I suppose doubly for you with your wife having a miscarriage actually yeah it's, it is a difficult one it's hard to explain understand because on father's day you do I, I just think of my dad obviously straight away it's the first thing I think of all the time I don't really it's I do it hits me I think afterwards where I could go oh I could be that could be me now actually it's, it's almost like a second thought um for me and it's then it hits me and I go oh yeah what what would life be like now actually 
but you know I do try and put that whole positive spin on it and say well you know what things do happen for a reason and maybe there's something in that where in the future a nice thing will happen to us and maybe that will be me one day you know that's 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 the dream isn't it really um but no when father's day does come up it is like i said going to a card shop isn't the best um seeing all the social media stuff and that adverts you know it's the same in mother's day you know my wife's just like she takes the mick out of it a bit she goes oh there's another one you know every time an advert will come on tv um and we've got a few friends as well that have you know lost parents and that and this we try to make a joke out of it in a way that you know they're throwing it in our face and I, I think until you've gone through it you don't understand it i didn't i'll be really honest i didn't um and now i get it 100 percent. and it can be anything from seeing the cards seeing the adverts and when you talk about being a mother or being a father, you know, you see, sometimes you see social media posts with people showing off their baby bump and things like that. Yes. And I think it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. And I think it's wonderful for those people. But if you've never been on the other side, it's actually quite a hard thing to see and a hard thing to to take on board, really. And it's it can be, it's how you deal with it, of course, but it can be quite upsetting as well. Mm-hmm. So it can be any of those things, really. So, yeah, Father's Day, it does have a, a bit of a double kick, uh, for me um, but I'll try you know you just I'll have a drink light a candle we've got um, we have ashes and candles you can, so many things you can do now do with, you have ways of remembering yeah, then that and you we do have ashes and candles on our side for both my mother-in-law and my father so okay. we write them even what I'm wearing now is my dad's fingerprint is it that's actually his fingerprint there on a, on a little bracelet which is um, you know a nice little thing that I keep with me at times as well so it's, like I said it's amazing what they do yeah and I, I just think that's a help and yes. you know you may not have the money to afford that it's not expensive but you know it, again it's it's an individual thing and I just I just thought actually I want I want that I just want that for me and I wear it pretty much every day pretty much I don't sleep in it but I do wear it every day so and it's yeah it's just a nice thing if I go to the game I'll be rubbing that if Everton are getting beat I'll be like come on oh, wow. <laughs> help oh, us yes. out here you can do it so yeah. but that's what you do isn't it you just do your thing and that's that's my thing yeah absolutely and I mean it really is something we talk in you know bereavement counselling about how just because somebody dies your relationship with them doesn't end actually that your dad and you know will be part of your life forever at, in some way actually and how do you keep that kind of connection with somebody I think I agree with that yeah you, you can't you never forget, do you? Um, but, you know, time goes on and we have to move forward and we have to be positive and we just have to get on with our lives in the best way possible. But it doesn't mean you move on as in you've put them behind and they're gone. You, they're always there. You have your memories, you have your feelings. Like I said, there'll be music, there'll be things that just suddenly stand out and 10, 20 years could go by and then some, suddenly someone will say something or you'll smell something or whatever it's going to be. And it's that memory comes flooding back. So I think that's why with grief and, and bereavement, you there definitely is no time on it. And you just you can't you can't say to somebody, oh come on, it happened X amount of years ago, because that's that's a ridiculous thing. I've heard people say that in the past, and you just cannot do that at all. Everyone's different and you should be there for them and be respectful and, and have feelings. And understand that if a time like Father's Day or Mother's Day or a birthday or anything like that, even Christmas, you know, something that comes up. It is, it's a big celebration and the media gets on it and it's all there. But actually, for a lot of people, it's a really sad time. I'm so struck by you saying this because people who, you know, 
come for support will say they feel guilty, um, you know, about needing support and that people are going to get bored with them and things. And also they describe just that sensation of, I thought I was fine, and then bang, I walked into a card shop or, you know, I saw a flower or exactly, just picked something up that reminds them of somebody and they feel like they're right back in that moment as if it, you know, happened only seconds ago. Yeah, and again, if you haven't lived it, you'll never understand it until you do. And unfortunately, most of us will at some point in our lives, you know. I'd like to think it's always later on in life, but sometimes it's not. Yes, actually. For something that's so common to all of us, I mean, we all do experience bereavement. I think from what you've said too, it's remarkable how much people kind of hide what they've been through and don't talk about it. Um, and I think actually that's really one, one reason so marvellous for you to come in, to actually, in a way, uh, we say to, to normalise it, to say actually this is part of life and, you know... It probably yeah. is one of the biggest normal parts of life, isn't it? You know, you, you're born, you live, you die. It, it's, it's, it is what it is. And unfortunately, that life can be short for some people. It can be nasty with illnesses and whatever for some people. And some people get to 100 years, you know. And it's, it's different for everybody, but it is what it is. And, if, you know, I, I have a very different way of looking at life now with everything that's happened to me and a very different way of approaching people. Someone once said to me once, um, never, which I do, I never ever judge anybody on the first time I meet them because you don't know what they've gone through or what they're going through. And their reaction to you might be really nice. It might be polite. It might be off. You may think they're rude. There's many things that could happen. But now, you know, you look at it from another way and you think... I always give people maybe two or three times. And don't get me wrong, on the third time, if they're exactly the same and they're slightly off, then that we're just not going to click. That's fair enough. But I think, and all, all people meeting me, my wife always says to me, God, you, you can come across quite rude, you know, and are quite off. And I'm like, really? And I think it's just the fact that when you first meet me, if I don't know you, because you probably know me to a degree, maybe, that's been a bit big-headed, but I don't mean it's come across like that, but generally most people come up to me in the street and go, oh, Lee, how are you doing? And I have to look at them and go... Do I know this where, person? Where did I meet you? And sometimes I just haven't met them and they just know me. So yes. she can be like, you don't be don't be so off, don't be so rude. I'm like, I'm not, I'm just a bit guarded. I'm just a bit protective. And then once you get past that and I know that you're okay and everything's great, you'll see the different side to me, which and which she has, obviously. Obviously, you wouldn't have married me. But yeah, the first time she met me, she was like, oh, I wasn't sure about you. <laughs> I was like, really? But I've had that with other people. That's my point. I've met someone and gone, nah, he's off, he's rude. And then someone might go, but do you know what's just happened in his life? I'd be like, no. And then they'll explain it, be like, ah, okay. So then you meet them again, and actually they could be very different because you just don't know. Absolutely. But we all go through it. Yeah, yeah, you know, that sounds really open of you, actually, too, because I think sometimes in our world we do leap to judge others, um, you know, and actually not give people a chance and think, actually, exactly, so you have no idea what they're carrying with them or what they've been through. No, not at all. I'm quite grey anyway. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not black or white I, I tried always to see two sides to a story I always have all my life it can be annoying at times for some people or it, it can be good at times it just depends um, but yeah I do like to sort of think what what's the other side to this where, where is this person coming from or the situation that we're in you know be it a good or a bad one and then move from forward from there really yeah I mean you've really spoken about some such interesting stuff in terms of what comes up in bereavement and we talk too about growth around trauma which I guess a bit of a technical term but in some ways kind of it seems to me what you've said today really is this sense of really difficult things happening but it's altered you as a person and it's shifted your family and it's made you look at life and relationships differently for me it's how can it not 
and, and like I said, everybody's different. So whatever I say, people may listen and go, you know what, yeah, that makes sense to me. Some people may go, what is he talking about? I don't feel like that at all. And again, that's absolutely fine because we're all different. But for me, it's, it's something so, especially for us, all the things that happened to us, you know, it was it was so intense and it was so much. And we, we tick one box and we'd be like, come on, let's let's move on. Then another thing had happened. It'd be like, oh my God, then another thing had happened. And then a really happy thing had happened and that'd be taken away. And it was just, how do we get back up this hill? How do we crawl up? So... You know, it, it, it's how, yeah, it's having the close, we said at the beginning, having the close family around you, maybe having friends you can talk to. But realistically, how can it not change you? I think that's the point. Because you, you are different from the moment that happens. Somebody's been taken away from you, they're not there anymore. And you have to learn how to deal with that, really. And, and we all will deal differently. Yeah. And if you had to leave our listeners today with any one thought, is there something you wanted to... I think it's, it's hard, isn't it? I think... They always say, like, you know, try and find yourself and love comes from within. And I think I think if you can really, really accept the, the terrible things maybe that have happened and, you know, some people maybe even think it's their fault. You know, it depends how people look at it. And, you know, it's not your fault. Whatever's happened's happened. And if you can be strong enough to find the power to talk to somebody if you feel you need to, and that can be a friend or family member if you feel that's right. Um, but if not, I think it's good to have somebody like the Cruise Bereavement Team that can just chat to you and explain everything and be there for you and and just be an, an ear, like I said. Possibly a guide, but more, more an ear. Um, and just try and find the strength to do that. Just try and move forward. And, and it's literally one step at a time, no pun intended in that. But it really is. Just, just do one step at a time and take... Not even a day at a time, take an hour at a time. You know, just sit down maybe for five minutes and just think about everything and get your breathing regulated and just relax and then go, right, what's my plan for today? Okay, so for the next hour, I'm going to do this. The next hour, I'm going to do that. Maybe even write it down and tick it off as you go, you know, and just say, I've done that now. That's a positive thing. I've actually done that. And you know what? There's the proof. I wrote it down and I've ticked it off. So I can actually physically see it. I've done it. I've completed that task. And then move forward and move forward. And I think then that hour becomes a day, that day becomes a week, then it's a month. And then suddenly you're in a lifestyle again that you're back to being, might not be 100% happy, but it's positive for you. You can start to be, you can normalise things again maybe and you never forget. You know, that's the key thing, never forget because you don't have to forget. Always remember and remember the good times. Mm, Absolutely. I mean, what you've said there, when people put themselves under so much pressure, I think sometimes get over it, do this, do that. But actually the kind of gentleness you described about really looking after yourself, you know. You can't make other people happy if you're not happy. And obviously it takes a long time to become happy after things have gone wrong, but you, you have to find that again. So find the love within and then let it come out. Thank you so much, Lee. Quite hippie-ish, yeah. I think it's very lovely. It's, it's really nice to hear. I think it's a nice talk about love, actually, isn't it? You the know? next podcast. Yeah, it is, you know, that kind of way. Because I think we can think sometimes in this world, right, things are too mushy or something. But actually, you know. I... No, I don't think it's mushy enough. I think actually this world is, is crazy. I really do. And I think it's a very difficult world that we live in for many reasons and not to get onto politics or anything like that or just just the way the laws have changed over the years and how children struggle now with growing up in school and things like that. I think there's a lot to take on board these days. And I think, you know, when a death happens around that, it can, it can affect someone in just so many ways just because of everything else that's going on in the outside world as, as well. It's a struggle as it is. So there's nothing wrong with... 
being kind and gentle and romantic and a little bit mushy, I think actually we need it at times. Some people may like the smothering, some people may not. My wife would be like that, get off me. (laughs) (laughs) When it's needed, it's there. But um, no, I I think we need it, I do. I think you said um, your mother-in-law was um, a straight straight talker in one of your interviews. And it sounds like your wife is uh, quite blunt with you as well. Yeah, it's quite funny. She probably won't mind me saying this, but we we, we say like... um, my wife is amazing and I will say that I'd like that on record that you know for what she's done for what she's been through because at the end of the day we've both been through a hell of a lot but she does pique me she beats me to the post let's be honest um, with everything that's gone on and I just think what she's doing and how strong she is it is unbelievable they always say women are stronger than men and this proves it to me Um, but yeah there's there's a little my mother-in-law was called Linda, and I always say to my wife at times, little mini Linda pops out to say hello, doesn't she? You know, within her daughter, uh, which is quite funny. She'll know what I mean by that. Uh, but, um, but at the same time, it's wonderful as well, because she is her mother's daughter, and why not? Yes. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, no, you Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us, Lee. I know our listeners will find what you've said helpful and inspiring. You've been listening to the Cruise Care Podcast. Many thanks for joining us. If you'd like further information about Cruise Bereavement Care Services, including our National Bereavement Support Helpline, please visit our website at www.cruise.org.uk.